Hello and welcome to IndiePod and Indie Games Podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week, we are bringing you four awesome indie games news stories before we hop in to our God Bless the Crowd segment to talk about a game we've actually talked about multiple times, which is kind of interesting. And of course, we've got Newscram with all sorts of crazy shit. This is going to be a, a good episode. I'm excited. How about you, Big Josh Boy? How, are you excited? So excited. I'm ready. Let's Let's go. It's, it's time. It's go time. Okay, all right. What kind of saying can we get in here? I don't know. It's it's, crunch it's time. time to get into the thick of it. Um, Ugh, no. It's, I don't, uh, I don't know. What I don't is that? Get, I don't want to get into anything thick with you. I don't know, dude. Like, I'm not well endowed, but I've I've got, I'm like thick. I've got the thickness, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, what, what what was it? Your your uh, mother-in-law or almost to be mother-in-law likes that thick butt of yours or something? Wasn't that a story? Ah, probably something along those lines. I mean, I speaking feel like you said of, something like that before. Before we get into the incest conversation that I'm definitely going to start in like five seconds, I'd like to introduce myself, Vaughn Hyde, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average adjust boys. And I'm going to skip how you're doing today because I have huh, something to tell you, okay? Okay. Be- get ready for this. This I'm might ready. ruin our friendship, all right? Oh, hot damn. This is where I the mean, podcast it, ends. It kind of depends on your idea of, like, weird shit, okay? So, okay, let's go. This is less of a story and just more of a fact. My okay. parents are cousins. I might have told you that already. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. okay, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad. Incest just happened to come up, so I was like, you know what? I feel like any time it does, I have to admit my parents are cousins, so. Did they ever talk about it? Like... Um, other than the one time where they're like, yeah, we're cousins. Like, I, no, nah. Damn. It doesn't come up like during family dinners where they're just like, yeah, we found out <laughs> Pop Pop is also Pop Pop. Like, it was kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, at least it makes, you know, family gatherings easier. Honestly, though, you know what's super weird about living in Idaho is that it's like it's such a in a sense small place. Like it's it's pretty large, but it's in a it's like kind of a small town state where like right. everybody knows everybody and you'll be going to school with somebody for like 5 or 6 years or whatever. And you're like, "Ah, they're kind of hot. Like that's cool." And then you find out like 3 weeks later they're actually your cousin and you're just like Okay, retroactively, is that weird? Like, I didn't know at the time. Like, I feel uncomfortable now, so I feel like it's less weird that I feel uncomfortable. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even joking. That's actually happened to me before. That's a real situation that has happened. Super weird. Did you ever... So, like, did people know, like, people at school, that your parents were were uh, cousins? Were you teased for being a uh, incest baby? No, I mean, I didn't exactly broadcast it, and also I didn't. I, I didn't mean, know you until just did I was now. Like, I mean, yeah, but these guys can know. These guys and gals can know. It's fine. Everybody can know now. Like in in like high school and everything, I was so insecure about everything other than my fat nuts that I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, I'll tell everybody about my fat nuts. Everybody just needs to know. That's <laughs> the thing I'm really proud of. But um, all right. <laughs> Yeah, I I was super insecure about most things. My intelligence, still true. Um, and everything else about my body, other than my fat nuts. So I wasn't exactly, you know, trying to tell everybody that my parents are cousins. And then, like, you got to do that thing, though, where it's like, play it off for comedic effect, where you're just like, my parents are cousins. Maybe by <laughs> marriage. I'm not 100% sure. Like, 
that's how weird Idaho is. It's hundred percent possible that I will find out in a couple years. It's not by marriage. There's a reason that like I have gut issues and I've got bad teeth or whatever, and it's absolutely because my parents are cousins. Uh, just Idaho things. Yeah, yeah. You know how like uh, Jeff Foxworthy did that whole run where it's like you know you might be a redneck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead it's like you live in Idaho, you know you might be an incest baby. Like it's fine. We're all okay with it at this point. It just happens. <laughs> all right, whatever you say, man. It's a fact. So, is that possibly like a selling like a selling point for you to move? For to me Idaho? to move? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, just for your your more. future children to find out in a generation or two that they're dead and their cousin, and you're just like, is this weird though? <laughs> She's like, well. A long time ago, a good buddy of mine made it this way, so now you have to marry your cousin. I'm sorry. I like how you'd, like, blame it on me. You're like... (laughs) That's how it is. He said it on a podcast once, so now it's, you know, it's like written into history. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's how it works. I think that's how it works. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible. Just entirely impossible to lie on the internet, so... Mm -hmm. It's true. Anything you say on a podcast will 100% become true. I have a 12-inch penis. That's, oh, hot dickens. I mean, I'm, I'm betting a lot on this podcast thing being true, okay? <laughs> so. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> Maybe one day. So speaking of vermin, uh, let's let's talk about what games you're playing. Not a, okay? not at you're... all. <laughs> a bad transition, but I'll take it. You're playing Warhammer Vermintide Two, and is it by Fat Shark or did you just put Fat Shark? Dude, no, I I didn't know that the so Warhammer Vermintide Two is created. The developer is named Fat Shark. What a ridiculous name. I love it. I had no idea until I looked it up on Google and I looked it up on Steam, like the actual Steam store page, and it was still Fat Shark because it was one of those things where I was like, is this is this something where like it's wrong in one area? Like that one time, I forget what game I was talking about where it was like different because of the, the different ports, and I was like, maybe this is just Google screwing it up, but I kept checking and it, everything says Fat Shark, so... It's yeah, or it can become one of those things where it's like, oh, Celeste was developed by Matt make game Matt makes games, but now his studio is no longer called that. It's called like the Good Game Company or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or like Super mm-hmm. Good Games, something like that. So yeah, yeah, I could I could see that being weird, but I mean Fat Shark really just has a nice ring to it. I, I mean, like it. That's, that's a developer a... you remember. There's Naughty Dog and then there's Fat Shark. Fat Shark. Okay. And if you look at their little logo, it is a fat shark. It looks and he's he's looking all mean and and uh <laughs> voluptuous. Oh, so they're they're actually repping the brand. They're yeah. not afraid to like mm-hmm. they're not afraid to look chunky. Okay. I it's like it. It's 2020, baby. Like yeah, dude. More cushion for the pushing, you know? That's uh, that's what I always say. Uh, anyway, so about the game. So <laughs> Warhammer, Vermintide 2. So I don't know anything about the Warhammer games or anything about the first Vermintide or anything about uh, a lot in general. But uh, a friend of mine decided to buy me this because he's super nice and he knows that I generally won't buy games. Because I originally saw this and I was like, ah, I don't think it's for me. And he was like, ah, just play it. With, like just play it with me so he sent me a code and i was like okay thanks i'll try it out and i actually had a lot of fun with it it reminds me a lot of left for dead but in a medieval time so 
if you've ever played Left 4 Dead, you have four characters that you get to choose from, and it's a party that goes through these different missions, and you have to kill waves of monsters, and there's specific monsters who are, uh, you know, a little bit more advanced or a little bit tougher to deal with. Uh, so very similar in that regard, but you're... Uh, people who are just carrying shields and bows and muskets and like mages and you're running through and the reason why it's called vermintide it's like a this uh race of vermins these like rat people who are constantly swarming you and it's got the game style of something very similar to like uh mordhau i think is the way you call it but it's like those older uh like chivalry where you have you know your sword and you're kind of just like really crazily swinging it at people and you can block and things like that but i generally i'm not as crazy about this game style but i really liked it because you're just cutting through mobs and mobs of these like rat boys and it's actually a lot of fun and there are some parts where as you start getting up in like the difficulty level it was a little bit of a challenge um but it's a four person game where you play with all your friends it was really easy to jump right into it because they um they really value quick play as a thing so they they give you like extra experience and extra loot for playing it in quick play mode which is just playing the story in a random order i don't know why they uh push for that so much but regardless um the like i didn't really care too much about the story because i didn't play the first one i just knew there were crazy rats attacking and you had to kill them for some reason but it was a lot of fun i enjoyed just randomly going in there and uh just beating up a bunch of rats uh playing with the different characters there's like a fire mage who was interesting because you could actually kill yourself uh if you kept using your skills too often so um it's not just you know run around and swing a sword there were other classes that had a little bit more to them um Dude, that but, uh, guy's got fucking guns. Damn. <laughs> Which guy? I don't know. One of them just had like a freaking flintlock pistols. That shit was dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was playing. I was playing. I forget the, the, the name, but the main guy who I kept playing with is just the uh, general like swordsman, but he has a musket on him. And I love the musket because normally most of the characters have like bow and arrow, but the musket just feels so much more like satisfying when you shoot things and they just like blast away so good um yeah I, I don't have too much to rant about it i have only played a couple of hours to it probably like six or seven i've played a bunch of the the story um in random order so i don't know it too well once again i don't know why they really like favor that as opposed to other but like the matchmaking for it and the the system in general like to join people's parties and everything was super well done like it was quick and easy um this is all i'm doing this through steam um but it's a game from 2018 i thought it was actually a lot older because the graphics seem a little off but maybe that's just my graphics card i don't know i'm pretty sure my graphics card should be a little bit better but for some reason it just didn't look as uh as appealing as something from 2018 for me personally but maybe that's just i need a new uh new set of uh, computer parts which i hope not because god i do not want to spend more money um but yeah, it's I I definitely recommend this, especially when so for this one, uh, my buddy picked it up because it like went on sale. It was only like a few bucks. Like I would definitely recommend when it goes on sale because it's a lot of fun just to get a couple of people together, play it online, and just randomly go through these different uh, waves of enemies. 
Yeah, it is back up to $30 on Steam right now, which kind of yeah. blows, because this does look very cool. Yeah, dude, like, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and I think at the time when it went on sale, it was only, like, 7 bucks. I don't think it was any more than that. I think there is, like, DLC and stuff to it. Um, we just got the base game. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where you don't have to buy the DLC right away. You could actually play it, see if you like it, and then continue through. This is one of those things where if my friend group keeps playing into it i wouldn't mind buying the dlc just to give them you know money uh just specifically because i didn't pay but also to give the money to support them and just get more content because it is really fun um it looks like there's three dlcs i believe for the most part other than like the uh there's a cosmetic dlc and a collector's edition upgrade which i don't know what that one's for Mm. but there's the winds of magic uh back to Oberstrike, maybe, and Shadows of Bogenhofen. So, okay. Bogenhofen. So, something that I do actually really like about this game is that its first Steam trailer is so unabashed. They're just like, this game is just about killing shit. Like, yeah. And that's all it's about. And it's the entire trailer is just showing this mass amount of carnage that you can like that you can inflict on these like rat people. Yeah, dude, it's it's really good, too, because like the bosses, there's like mini bosses, there's regular bosses at the end of each like act uh, that are pretty well done. There's a bunch of different class types. So there's like a this like pulling guy who I forget all the names. I wish I was better at remembering things, but, um, but he, he basically will, will snatch you and will carry you off. Um, so that your teammates have to work as a team and have to stick together. Cause if they leave you and go somewhere else and you get snatched by that guy, you can't do anything and you're just reliant on your team. So like, it's, it's really nice the way they, they did it, but they still give you like, you know, an obvious indicator that like, Oh, help me and shit like that. So I think it's done in a really smart way that as you, especially as you start going up in the levels of difficulty, it starts becoming like less of just a, Oh, let's hack and slash our way and have like a good time to let's be a little bit more strategic about how we approach this, which, you know, depending on how you want to play, you can, either just keep doing it on the easy mode and just having a good time and slashing whatever or you could take it up a notch and be like all right how am i gonna change you know the way we play so it just depends it's uh i think it's good for for a number of different people um based on their play style i think the enemies are called the skaven but i'm not 100 percent sure it says like uh the combined forces of the malevolent and destructive chaos army and the swarming skaven horde so i'm assuming that's what the rat boys uh, them rat boys are called but damn this shit looks sweet like actually checking out some of the combat i like uh the deflecting and something that i mean is going to be stupid and nitpicky but something that i would obviously like is that when you go to like check them with your sword and you go to try to kind of like push them off balance um Mm -hmm. and push them back if you have a like a one-handed weapon and you have two weapons so like the guy you were talking about that also has a musket Mm -hmm. he like when he pushes it has both the sword and the musket when he pushes and i think that's really cool yeah it's just like that's nice small detail there's yeah there's a lot of small details that i really love one of my favorite things and it's it's weird because normally i'm not like crazy about uh gory stuff or like crazy things but i love so when you're playing this game it is so gory and every time you swing depending on the direction like your weapon goes and where you hit the enemy you'll like 
rip off their arm or you'll rip off their head. Like there's a whole thing about headshots in this game where you're supposed to constantly go for their head because it's like extra points. But um, I love so much. There's so many times, especially with the rats, like the, the, the weaker ones, you'll chop in a weird way and you'll cut off their arm and they'll stop and they'll like have a stagger animation where they basically like grab where their arm got cut off and they're like oh and then right as you see that animation you then cut off their head it's so funny to me i don't know why it's like a weird thing but it's just the way it's done is so i don't know it's just so so appealing the the look of it because it does look like a very like weird scene that happens but i've seen it multiple times and i think it's so funny whenever it happens I like how we're both playing, like, heavily combat-oriented games. Mine is much more, like, E for everyone, though. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. (laughs) So, this week, I've been playing Indie Pogo. I got it on sale, I think, a couple weeks ago. It was, like, only a couple dollars. I think I bought it for, like, three bucks. Um, It's a lot of fun. It's by Low Bros Studios. I really... I mean, it got... I don't want to say it got annoying, but it Mm. did kind of wear on my nerves, uh, the game mechanic where instead of actually, like, choosing when to jump, in this game, you're constantly jumping, and that's kind of the whole point of, like, pogoing. It's all about getting super high, like, uh, like a counter, in a sense. Um, It's trying to get, like, a pogo combo, which is, like, you, you have your, like, special abilities and everything, very similar to Smash Bros., but the main mechanic Um. is to try to jump on top of people and keep hitting them and pogo off of them and do, like, a large pogo combo to then use your super or to like just deplete their health and then you beat them and stuff like that it's uh it's a lot of fun the thing i love most about it is obviously this like massive uh this like massive stock of indie game characters that they have yeah and they have a lot of like indie game stages the only thing that kind of blows about that is actually that how in smash bros it says their name when they like Uh come in it's like oh you chose shulk it's like okay i don't know where shulk is from which is actually he's from xenoblade chronicles but like it would be nice okay i should just say it would be nice if smash bros did the same thing but also it would be very nice if like in indie pogo when they were introduced and you went into battle it told you who they were and where they were from because they do actually have this very very cool trophy system similar to what like smash bros has with their trophy system but Mm -hmm. in this one you can like once you unlock the trophy which you can either get from like doing certain activities or you can buy them with coins which is kind of interesting because it's like the more coins you spend only it doesn't increase the amount of trophies you get but just the likelihood that you get a new trophy instead of uh like an older one that you already Mm -hmm. have which is kind of cool and then these trophies when you actually go and check them out you can get a little bit more dialogue on who they are you see their name and everything but also there's a more info button which is like why on the controller um Mm. on my like xbox one controller that i had plugged in and if you click it it actually opens up a menu to like purchase the game through steam and stuff like that it takes you to its steam page which i thought was really really cool um That was probably, like, one of my favorite features, which is a little bit odd that that was. I just thought it was, like, while playing the game, I thought it was a little bit annoying how, like, 
they have all these amazing indie game characters and they have all these awesome indie game stages and stuff. It's like, it's an awesome showcase of indie games, but they don't directly represent any of them. They don't actually say who they are for the most part. And I found that kind of annoying, but this trophy system kind of makes up for that because you like just go into this trophy system and you can read a bit more about the character and if you like their like you like their style you like their look or you also like their like attacks and stuff like that you like their combat you can click y and actually go and purchase it on whatever like random storefront it's on they open you up to like uh the um i opened up a few and it was like um like the google play store the like apple play or like itunes store for the most part Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um the like apple app store whatever it's supposed to be called and like steam yeah (laughs) i i thought it was super cool though that you could actually just directly go to them that's really cool and it has a really comprehensive uh credits like page which is kind of weird so once i beat this like first kind of arcadey section that you can go through because i haven't tried out a whole lot of their single player offering um and i didn't do any of the like multiplayer online or anything like that because i just like to play games by myself and i'm not that good at it uh (laughs) but once i actually beat it which was kind of cool because you go up against like it's kind of a typical like tournament thing where you just like fight one you fight another you fight another but you only have three lives while you go through like uh six to ten like enemies and then you get to a boss which was actually uh i don't know his name but it's actually the main character from nefarious uh which is kind of an entire game about being a like the evil mastermind and being a boss which is kind of nefarious i have it i I haven't played it yet oh i've always seen it and wanted to try it but i've never never actually gotten it yeah it looks very interesting (laughs) i i've I bought it mostly because I really liked its art style and I love the fact that it like tells the story from the other way around where you are the one who snatches the princess in a sense and yeah. you're just like trying to take her. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. I love that and I just love the fact that they also do the the play on different genres. Yeah. Yeah, it looks very good. I'm going to actually have to play it because I do have it on my PlayStation 4. Mm. Um but indie poco is like it's a lot of fun um for my notes let's let's pop onto these bad boys yeah it looks really cool i've actually never heard of this game too but really i've talked about it on the podcast a couple times really yeah i, I mean hmm, i guess i was thinking of something different because there's a couple of these these you might have like, been thinking about games like there's like rivals of ether which yeah. I don't know if they have like a whole lot of uh, I don't I don't think they actually have a stable of other indie game characters. But then there's also like a brawl out, which has I think one or two from different indie game things. Like I know you could play uh, the Drifter from Hyperlight Drifter and Brawl Out. Yeah, maybe that's um, what I'm thinking of. But yeah, this is interesting that it's all indie game characters. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very cool, especially because they have very similar like uh, attack sets. So mm-hmm. like Shovel Knight was given to me immediately, which is really cool because it doesn't like it doesn't open up the entire roster, so you can play whoever you want. You have to gain coins and then spend those coins on the characters in the shop. But gotcha. it does give you like a decent amount of characters to originally play with. In including one that's like uh kind of like an original character for indie pogo which is kind of cool i think his name is like snowball maybe but it's it's a pretty cool character um and then you go to the store you buy other ones i just bought uh i bought who did i buy 
I really want the bullet from Enter the Gungeon, but yeah. that one's like 350 coins, and the highest I had was like 150. But I did buy the, I think his name is Wellington or something like that, like Down Wellington, something like mm-hmm. that, and he's from Downwell. I mm-hmm. bought him, but I haven't had a chance to play with him yet. Um, gotcha. So some of the stuff I do, I there are some annoying bits, uh, like... There was this, and I honestly do not know what the game is called because I actually added it to my Steam wishlist because the game itself looked really cool, but its stage in Indie Pogo is super fucking annoying because yeah. it's all blue, but then you, like, doing actions will scatter paint across the stage, which is a main mechanic in the game, which is very cool, but in this, I end up, like, falling down fucking holes and shit like uh. that because I can't <laughs> see them. Um right. So kind of like when you're on that stage, you just try to hit the ground as much as possible so you can expand the area that you know you can step on. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was pretty much the only area I actually found annoying. Most of the others I thought were pretty sweet. Um, uh, I wish I'd identified the characters in their games. Uh, The massive variety of characters and stages is pretty awesome because there's a lot of them like the the credits went on for quite a while and they also had in the credits you can't just skip them you have to sit through them but you can speed them up which i thought was i mean that was nice like for people who don't want to have to sit through the credits but you still want them to like kind of look at it that's that's Mm -hmm. pretty sweet um (laughs) yeah the the credits are nice uh trophies lead you to the game's purchase pages um oh a lot a lot of cool mobile games is what i wrote down because they are there's there's quite a few um and i had one last issue with it is that a lot of the skins that you can get for these characters are just small color variations similar to like a smash bros where like other characters will have entirely like new suits and they look really cool in indie pogo then some of them are just like okay now he's wearing a green hat and it's like okay that's annoying <laughs> i don't i don't know why that was necessary but okay um yeah i like it a lot though it's it's a lot of fun and i do want to actually try to play it with some other people just to see um i i don't know like i've only played it against the npcs so i'd like to kind of get to know these combos and stuff a little bit more which kind of requires either playing it or talking to somebody so yeah i definitely recommend it it's a lot of fun and i think it's actually pretty cheap just normally indie pogo let's look and a poco is on Steam. And I didn't <laughs> click the bucks. link. Okay, there you go. It's $15. And you can uh, they actually have some downloadable content too, which just looks like skins, which kind of sucks. Yeah, it's all skins. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn. But yeah, I really like I I actually really like Free uh, Freedom Planet Indie Pogo a lot. I I love that I can play uh, as characters like Shovel Knight. I think that's so much fun, and he has a lot of the same abilities that he actually has in the game. So he mm-hmm. has like a large fishing rod with a huge anchor at the end. You can do his kind of like phase shift to escape damage when you uh, try to dodge. You can throw fireballs. You can do his standard pogo technique. If you just jump and click and like do your analog stick down, he'll just continuously pogo, which is really cool. So I, I do like it a lot. It's a lot of fun and it has like, it has a lot of heart, especially because it's just like a massive amount of indie game characters. So right. I would, yeah, I would absolutely cool. recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Very um, cool. 
But let's hop into our first news story, which is actually over on GameSpot. It is written by James O'Connor, and it is Indie Platform Agrees uh, hits an incredible sales milestone. So this one is just going to be real quick. I just thought we would hit on it because we often talk about sales milestones here, and it's amazing that indie games like on the regular seem to be hitting a million copies, which I understand there's a lot more indie games that don't hit a million mm-hmm. copies but it's still nice to celebrate those that do um yeah. so here's some good news for fans of the artful indie platformers uh one of the best of last year's one of the best of last year um is grease incredibly well for itself yeah uh the developer nomada studios has revealed that the game available now on nintendo switch pc mobile and ps4 has sold an incredible 1 million copies um i don't think there's a whole lot less in here yeah, nope. Not nope. not much more. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Million million copies. That's the news. Did you have a chance to play Grease yet? I know when no. we uh talked about it on our indie game of the year you hadn't. Yeah, no, I I, I don't think this is gonna be something I pick up anytime soon. Um as interesting and as beautiful Grease is, uh this type of game generally isn't my style. Um not to say that that means it's a bad thing. There's clearly a lot of people who enjoy it or a lot of people who bought it anyway. I'm sure a good amount of them enjoy it. But like, um, for me, it doesn't really catch my attention, but I'm super happy that it got all of this attention because yeah, it's kind of like you said, there's not a lot of indie games that actually get this. So, you know, the few and far between that are actually successful, it's good to be able to, you know, celebrate that. Yeah, and it's also nice that, like, the thing I love most about this whole Grease, like, hitting a million copies is that, like, it's not your typical game that you'd expect to hit, like, a million copies, or you didn't hear this massive buzz around it. It kind of just, like, flew under the radar. It was very artsy and mm-hmm. less gameplay heavy, and then right. that game of all actually ended up hitting a million copies really says something about like the health of the indie game space and that people are kind of taking chances on experiences i mean i guess that's me reading into it but it still seems like people are taking chances on games that they might not have before and they're at least being open-minded yeah i mean that could be it i think it's also it also has to do with accessibility and the fact that this is just about everywhere the fact that you can get it on switch pc mobile ps4 like this opens up a much wider, uh, you know, audience. Uh, I'm sure there's probably a lot from the Switch and mobile side for a game like this. But, like, this um, this accessibility is hard to do just because, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into ports. But having that makes it so that they can be consumed by just about anyone. Like, everyone, <laughs> not to go on the whole uh, Diablo thing, but everybody has a phone. <laughs> Oh my god, that shit was so funny. I I gotta be honest, I love that so much. So stupid, <laughs> but it's true. It is true though. <laughs> yeah, and I mean these days, pretty much like everyone playing video games. Actually, okay, I'm sorry. I'm like on our next news story, and I'm looking at like a Baba is you like video, and it's totally blowing my mind watching this fucking puzzle go on. But. <laughs> Um, you know what? Since since I'm already there, let's, let's talk about this next ahead. news story. <laughs> Speaking of fucking artsy games, let's talk about Baba's You over on GameSpot, written by Jordan Ramey. I'm assuming Ramey, maybe. Either way, cool name. Good, good, good job, Jordan. 
of being born into a creative family with cool names. Um, mm-hmm. Baba is you, Dev, would really like to be fine with future games not being as successful. So I. I mean, this isn't necessarily a downer, but I like that we started off with kind of a feel-good story of this awesome indie game success, which also, Baba Is You, also is a massive indie game success, which is kind of the reason that this next story is, I don't want to say depressing, but is like, it's, it's sad in a way. Um, uh, I mean, it's a dose of reality. It's, it's the fact that you can't just rely on always being successful in this space it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of creativity generally the indie games that succeed and do so well is because there's something that's you know breaking the mold or have some kind of i don't want to say gimmick because that's kind of a negative negative connotation to that word but almost a something that that really catches your eye and says like oh this is different this stands out of the pack and with bobby you that was clearly that i've never seen a game that does something as unique as baba as you plus it's it was a really cute like little you know like oh this is an interesting art style and then you get into it and you're like this is really weird and and clever and going from that to and this is you know getting a little ahead of the article itself but going back to uh you know creating something as uh nowadays a standard as a metroidvania it's like yeah it's probably like it could be it could be something where it's like a smash hit but you can't go in thinking that because it would be even worse to put all that time and investment into it and expect it to have that same level of of hype or popularity or success just because you know this is it's a whole different genre it's a whole different style it's a whole different uh game entirely so let's give a little bit of context to what we're talking about here uh baba is you developer rv i think i'm totally gonna butcher this name but rv takari possibly i'm not sure yeah, that's uh, what i would have said is hard at work on his next game, Environmental Station Alpha 2. That's a tentative title. Uh, But Takari acknowledges that the sequel to Environmental Station Alpha 2015 Metrovania isn't likely to achieve the same level of success that Baba Is You is um, a sentiment he's willing to accept. I, and this is a quote, I've been trying to tell myself and remind myself that it's extremely unlikely that whatever I do next or whatever I do, even in my career will be as, what? Will be as successful as Bob is you. That, what? Yeah. Whatever I do next or whatever I do will be as successful. Nothing that he does at this point will be more successful. Yeah. Like he doesn't think that anything will top Bob as you. Okay. I guess that, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Thanks for, thanks for. Uh, you know, pulling me out of the weeds there, Big Josh Bully. That's, you, that's why I need you. That's why I need that's, you. That's, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, uh, Takari said in an interview with GamesIndustry.biz, uh, unless I figure out something as novel as Baba is you, my future games will have to be okay with not being as successful. See, that's where it doesn't make any sense. One, he says, will be as successful. The next, he says, will not be as successful as Baba yeah. is you. No, he's saying he's. They can be himself. just as successful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but he's saying it probably will not be. Okay, I'm not gonna nitpick here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I would really like to be fine with that, which is 
super sad. Um, oh, yeah? ESA 2 is very traditional Metroidvania game, not one that will get people saying, wow, this is so innovative, Takari added. More like, oh, this is another game in the genre that already has a lot of games. Not very interesting, but I am... I might enjoy playing it. He hopes that he can be happy with the critical reception of ESA 2, uh, which he predicts will be less favorable than Baba Is You, seeing as ESA 2 isn't currently as innovative. Uh, prior to completing ESA 2, Takari plans on releasing a level editor for Baba Is You. Uh, he has no specific release date in mind, though he's aiming to finish in 2020. In an interview... Uh Takari admits experience a sense of burnout following the completion of Baba Is You, a game he developed entirely on his own. It's an experience shared by several other indie game developers uh, who deserve games. Designed. Or, sorry, designed games of their own. So, yeah, yeah this is like, I don't know. It's, it's the side of a success story, like a Smash success story that I don't think most people would think of, is that it's actually like, there's a lot of you, pressure. Yeah, there's a massive amount of a massive <laughs> a massive amount of pressure to to possibly top like what you've done before. Sorry, dude, I'm getting so distracted because I'm seeing fucking Stop somebody whoever's puzzle. playing this is solving puzzles and Baba is you. I just watched them solve the puzzle I was stuck on. I'm so pissed that that was the answer. I'm so fucking pissed. Stop watching these videos. I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull it down to where there's no. There's oh, no video now. There's just the fucking Marines ad that I can look at. I guess. Yeah. Um. I mean. Yeah. yeah it, this is just a side of success that we don't often see with indie game developers. Like they. I mean, we we see it at times. Like uh, it's kind of heavily documented in like the indie game, the movie part two, with Phil Fish talking about how he. Yeah. Like yeah. is worried about Fez two, and then he ended up well, canceling it anyway. Look how that but, turned out, yeah. Um, but it's just it's not something that's often said. And when you think about it, like this kind of blows for like indie game developers if they have this smash hit. It's kind of like then they might be they they might just have peaked. Like they right. they had their one innovative title, and now they might not know what they're gonna do next. Like. Yeah, I mean, you could say the same with a lot of medias. Like, Oh, yeah, you could say it about literally anything yeah. that you accomplish. Like, oh, cool, you won a football game. What are you going to do next? Like, Right, exactly. So, it's, I mean, it's it's tough, but it's it's just something to, like, consider about to be, you know, uh, empathetic about these kind of situations. The thing that's interesting to me is that, like, if he has all of this, and granted, you know, something that's not in this interview that I wish kind of would have been here is more of, like, why he's still working on this game if he's got that attitude i would have loved to see this but also have like i'm fine with it because i want to work on this because i'm doing like creating a game that i enjoy like that's the reason especially from an indie game perspective like granted yes you need money because you need to eat and live and you know uh, have like an actual life but for most people they're creating indie games because they actually enjoy doing this because they want to create some type of either a piece of art or something that they themselves would love to play and want to give to others like i want to see that as part of the story of like you know he's fine with this and yeah it sucks i understand that nothing's ever possibly going to be as good but like that doesn't matter if you're doing something that you enjoy and you're doing something you believe in like 
I don't know. And maybe that's still there, but like, if it's not, which you can't get in just this small article and obviously there's more to it than what's shown here, but like, if not, then why is he working on that at all? Why not, you know, try to brainstorm something new or something that's, you know, it doesn't have to be innovative for the sake of innovative, but innovative to be something that interests him. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I mean, games also don't have to be innovative to be, no. like, incredibly popular for people to love them. For sure, like, no. fucking, I love Hollow Knight a lot, but I wouldn't say it's innovative. Like, it's a difficult platformer, and it's a awesome Metroidvania, but what I love about it is, like, the world and its lore, it didn't innovate on anything specifically. Like, games have right. all done that before. Like, I, I don't know, maybe it's just, like kind of how he's seen the success of Baba is you. And that's mostly just completely due to it's like innovation because people mm-hmm. thought that this game about, you know, just rewriting the actual laws and like logic of this world was so amazing and so interesting. So now he sees like success with that, that he doesn't like, uh, he, he thinks that that might be the only like level of success that's like how he would attain success because right i mean because he hasn't obtained it otherwise yeah we've he he did his like metroidvania similar to how like we talked to greg lobanov when we did our interview with him and he talked about how he developed multiple games before wonder song right and like you just kind of do it until you eventually have one that hits do you think that like maybe this developer just feels like he has to make another game like he mm. he's feeling the pressure to make another because people loved Baba is you so much like I mean well so I would say yes but like I'd say yes if he was working on like a continuation of Baba is you and yeah he's doing the level editor but I mean like if he felt that that kind of pressure of like oh I have to put out a game that has to do as well I'm pretty sure he wouldn't go with this Metroidvania then you know like the pressure is being uh, off-put in a different area that doesn't really make sense, if that's his thinking. Yeah, and it also kind of blows that he's, like, he's a solo developer, right. so he doesn't have, like, I, I he obviously could very well have an amazing support system at home and stuff, but, like, I personally like to work with others because, like, I I joke about it, but Josh pulls me out of situations in this, like, podcast that I get myself into, like he did earlier, so, like, it's it's nice to have somebody there with you to experience it, like, for good or for bad. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't know. Maybe he needs to just possibly, like, get somebody else's, I, I don't know, like, see if somebody else will collaborate on this game with him. Like, even if it's just a Metroidvania, having somebody else there to look at it might actually kind of spark this creative juice to actually start flowing to then see this innovation that he seems to be chasing so much. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, if uh, if it doesn't work out, he could just combine the two, and it could be Baba's You as a platformer. That'd that be pretty would be... cool. Actually, yeah, that would be pretty good. <laughs> Man, I I had to literally like go to the next news article because I couldn't stop watching that Baba is You shit. <laughs> Uh, speaking great. of our next news article, it's over on Nintendo Life, written by Ryan Craddock, and it is Sodesco postpones upcoming physical releases uh, on the Nintendo Switch. That's not actually how it's written. I just uh, got myself lost in the weeds again. So, that sounds good. 
Uh, games publisher Sodesco has announced that it will postpone the physical edition releases for upcoming titles thanks to disruptions caused by the coronavirus outbreak. In a press release, the studio says that it is taking all maximum precautions uh, to look after its staff as the pandemic continues to impact business. The company's executive manager, Hans von Brockel, I think is how you say it, I have no idea, um, has shared the following. Due to recent developments in the market that are beyond our control, we have made the difficult decision to postpone some of our physical releases to a later date. The global crisis has a big impact on log- impact on logistics, uh, which makes it difficult for us to manufacture, ship, and sell physical games right now. However, the digital releases will continue as planned. Uh, as it stands, this means that both Monstrum and Adam's Venture Origins will be impacted. Uh, digital releases for both games will be happening as originally planned, and release dates are expected soon, but the physical editions will be delayed until further notice. So, this is kind of more of just like a story, I guess. Corona I don't know. Fucking like, up more stuff. Yeah, Corona's fucking up more stuff. And also, like, this, it's obviously a much smaller, like, publishment uh, than... I I basically wanted to compare this to what's happening with, like, The Last of Us 2 and Iron Man VR, how uh, they got delayed indefinitely because of the coronavirus. And, like, they don't... They're not even seeing digital... Digital? (laughs) Digital releases. Because it's very possible that a large portion of, like, sales would actually come from these physical releases. So it's kind of interesting to see, like how the indie games like uh, section of the game space reacted to this coronavirus outbreak and how they're more like they make way more money on digital anyway so yeah and i think it's also that they don't have the light like they don't have the luxury to say oh let's you know yeah. hold production so that we can make more money in the long run because it'll be more successful at a time where this isn't happening you know in an indie games worlds whether you're uh, you know have like a, a more well-renowned publisher or you're just trying to do it solo like you don't have that luxury to say like i could just hold off until later like you need those uh digital copies to be selling so that you can actually survive so it has to be this way i think it sucks for those who want like the physical release um i think an easy win for those who are doing this are to be like, hey, we'll also give you a digital copy and you can just get it later. Like, that's a good way to do it. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's not unlike, though, that people like me who enjoy physical copies of indie games, it's not like we are used to actually getting them day and day. For the most part, like, physical copies for indie games come out far later. So if anything, like we are the kind of like niche group of the games industry who the like this doesn't impact that much, I guess, Mm. because like, yeah, the the people were probably really looking forward to Monstrum and Adam's Venture Origins to come out physically. But it's like we have to wait for all of these anyway. Like Shovel Knight didn't get a physical release until I believe a year or more after its its release, mm. um, which has actually seen several since. But there was like the the Messenger didn't for a while after Wonder Songs just came out a little yeah. while ago, yeah. which was almost a year and a half after its release. So 
Like I, I guess we're just kind of used to it at this point, and I, and I don't feel like the the fans of indie like physical games like myself are actually that kind of annoyed about it. I, yeah. I would assume from yeah, my experience. I mean, I mean maybe I, I'm sure there's people who are obviously annoyed that they're not getting what they want, but like it's kind of just the nature of how things are going right now. Yeah, it's like everyone's frustrated with the like the repercussions and like everything that's happening with the coronavirus anyway. So. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprised, surprising if people were super annoyed about this. Um, sure. Our last news story actually continues to be on Nintendo Life. It is also written by Ryan Craddock. Just two people who write for Nintendo Life. I'm I'm sealing it down. There's only two. There's Liam Doolin. There's Ryan Craddock. Maybe he'll so, join. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, or Liam Doolin will get better internet and he'll come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is sort of the Necromancer Kickstarter suffers heavy blow from Troll Backer. I actually feel so bad about this. This sucks, yeah. I didn't I didn't know this was as big of a thing as the article uh, alludes to, but I'll, I'll let you continue. Okay. Uh, last week, we reported on Sword of the Necromancer, a new Kickstarter campaign for an upcoming uh, dungeon crawler RPG, hoping How to timely. launch on Switch. Yeah. Um, in... Uh, in particular, the game caught our eye thanks to the developer's promise to make use of the Switch's IR camera, something that is rarely seen even within the first-party releases, which is so weird. What was the point of putting an IR camera? The That was the card system where you could, like, scan the cards. Oh, no, I meant in the Nintendo Switch. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand that. Like, is it is it possibly part of, like, the Amiibo functionality? Uh, maybe. Yeah, that might be something to it. I don't know. This, they probably just do weird shit where they're just like, I don't know, put this thing in it. We might need it later. Like, what they did with, like, the ring fit and stuff like that. Like, maybe they just have these crazy ideas where they're like, well, we might need you to jiggle it five times in this way and, like, stick it here. Like, I don't know what they're, they're doing at Nintendo. They're just putting weird things in it. Yeah, I don't know. It's like every every you know every first party studio not studio like these these console manufacturers sony microsoft and nintendo and like every other console manufacturer has tried to make like gimmicky new peripherals but at least they have like a game that pretty much showcases it versus like i can't think of a single one that necessarily showcases that ir camera with the exception of like maybe it's actually used for one to switch but even then, like, that game wasn't, I mean, it's not even really a game, but it's, like, wasn't marketed that well. Doesn't seem like they cared if it sold. Yeah, I have no idea. But whatever, that's an aside. Uh, the game raised over 100% of its initial goal in less than 24 hours, which is pretty dope. Uh, the success meant that several stretch goals could be fully unleashed uh, with a, um, with a, composition from both dale dale north and emmy evans uh soon being unlocked too all was going swimmingly well uh but things took a concerning turn on monday the 13th of april on that day developer Grimorio of Games, I think is how you say it, uh, shared an update with those who had pledged their support to warn them about a potential troll backer. Uh, it is our duty to inform all our backers that we received an unusual amount of, uh, it's like 8,500 euros, I believe, for pounds, something like that, uh, mm-hmm. 
from a single backer who didn't even choose a reward tier it said i uh, i it that was for us on saturday night receiving this amount meant we reached the two stretch goals at once uh, or we yeah, reach the two stretch goals at once. Uh, we tried to contact the backer who is not registered on Kickstarter. This pledge, they pledged as a guest uh, without success. We have also tried to contact Kickstarter regarding the issue, but got no response. Uh, the developer goes on to explain that it's not unusual to see backers take back large pledges at the last minute in an attempt to ruin a campaign. It warm. Uh, it warned that it might have to cancel the last stretch goal if the large pledge was removed. In another update, which followed shortly afterwards, the team was proven right, sadly having to tell backers that one of the stretch goals that had seemingly been achieved was now unfunded. As expected, our troll backer withdrew their pledge as soon as we talked about reaching the stretch goals. Uh, so we're back to the Coliseum mode stretch goal. I'm thankful even this absurd attempt of harming the game's launch, Sword of the Necromancer, still has enough support to make it over the initial finish line. Uh, if you're interested, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, cool. Um, This is a dick move. Uh, <laughs> That's one way I, to end it. I mean, I really don't understand it. Like, I, I should say right away, um, just to kind of get this out of the way, I really don't like the blanket term troll because I feel like people use it a little bit too often to kind of like, in, in general, people use it a bit too often to talk about people that disagree with them or like dicks on the internet. They say mm -hmm. trolls. Whereas like, this is like a whole, like I know trolls as a whole nother level of dick. Yeah. Like this is, this is just fucked up. This seems like... I I don't even know why they would do it. Like there's I I imagine there's no real motivation for this because the game wasn't I don't know wasn't super provocative. It didn't like it didn't seem anything like they weren't doing anything that would I could see setting somebody on edge. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. like this seems like just a random occurrence by some asshole. <laughs> I like and granted, you know, maybe there's a different side of this where it was someone who then all of a sudden backed out because they something happened where they didn't have the money at that point. But granted, it's probably not that. Um, oh yeah, dude, this is a sketchy enough situation to where I can confidently say that it was not that. <laughs> but it's just, it's crazy because like, what do you have to gain from that though? Like, what is the point? Who? What, like why what even if you even if you hated something so much and you were like i don't want this game to get funded or i don't want this to be a thing like why would you even try just don't put anything in it and just be like all right just let it not happen like i i don't know it just seems so weird i'm i'm super glad that they still at least had enough money where they were able to successfully fund their campaign it sucks that those people didn't get you know that extra tier of whatever um whatever extra they had in their stretch goals, but it's just, it's so, it's so pointless. Yeah. I mean, especially because like they were so far past the, yeah. the, they were so far past their initial goal that it's like, at that point, why does it matter? It seems weird though. It seems strange that a guest, like someone who's not like, I guess if they give their credit card information, it doesn't matter. But like, it seems like you would have to be a certain like, user in the system before 
they say you can spend a certain amount of money. Like I'm surprised Kickstarter even allows that kind of a, a funding without creating an account. You know what I'm I mean? honestly surprised that Kickstarter allows you to do, like fund without an account because all you have to have is like an email address. Right. I mean, you're giving a credit card. Yeah. I, I mean, I get that, but also like you'd be giving a credit card. I mean, I, nah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've never signed in as a guest, so well, I'd imagine actually, it still requires you to have a payment plan thing, like a, per, a form of payment. So I, I think either way you'd have to. Well, you have to because you, even if you're a guest, it's the same thing as like buying stuff on like, like Nike.com or going to like a random website online. You can buy as a guest because you're like, I don't want to sign up for a Nike account. I want to buy a pair of shoes once and then never think about it again for like another year. Like I don't care about creating an account. You can sign in as a guest because it's like a one-time purchase and all they do is they do a safe transaction of your credit card. I'm assuming it's the same thing with Kickstarter where they're literally just taking your credit card. But the interesting thing about that is they don't actually run the, your your credit. Like they don't check anything until, until it's finished. Until the, the yeah, the campaign is finished. So like you could also be a guest and just give a card that you know is going to bounce back. Like, I don't know. It does seem very strange. It's so weird. Uh, So just to give you guys a little bit of context to as the stretch goals that they were shooting for, they said that they were bumped back to just the Coliseum mode, I believe. So the stretch goal that they had previously reached with that additional funding amount was uh, the voice acting in English plus free games. But Mm, no, they ended up kids. Oh, no, they ended up reaching it anyway. Uh-huh. So, like, they, they reached them all. The only one they didn't was the, like, 50,000, which was additional languages, Japanese, French, German, uh, plus backer's choice. So, like, they ended up... I'm, I'm glad that this story ended up being, like, ha fuck you. Yeah. I mean, they still got 15 days to go, too. So, like... Oh, shit. I didn't even realize it's still going. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's they still They could easily going. get you there. Could, They're at yeah. $49,352. Yeah. It's just... This guy's just a dick or girl i don't know i don't know i don't want to be sexist about someone being an asshole but like (laughs) this person (laughs) is being a dick and uh it doesn't matter because they're still making money so good on them and fuck the person who (laughs) just decided to give a troll pledge i mean that also makes this even weirder because it's like what was the point that's what i'm saying why 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 even do that that's why like part of me is like well maybe there was something to it. Maybe it was like a really old person who didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, just... <laughs> that definitely makes more sense because at this point, they literally did nothing. Yeah. Like, if you waited until, I don't know, the day before right, and exactly. then retracted it. But there's 15 days. <laughs> I don't and know. at the time of, like, writing that article, I imagine there was even more. So, yeah, yeah I don't get it. It's so weird. <laughs> it's the world is weird. Bunch of dicks. Um, Very strange. Let's take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to hop into news cream. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line cram time 
News Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts of IndiePod, an indie games podcast, cram you full of all sorts of indie games news. Uh, this week, we don't have any quick news stories for you, but we do have some new deals and quick deals and a whole lot of new stuff. Basically, business as usual for uh, News Cram. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's get crammed. So... Our first deal of this week comes by way of Polygon, where it's reported that on or from April 23rd through the 30th, you can get turn-based strategy game for the king completely free on the Epic Game Store. Josh is a fan of Dude, that game. Dude, game's <laughs> awesome. I love it. Okay, there you go. Now you can get it completely free. Speaking of free uh, Epic Game Store games, I wanted to let you know, Sam, that Josh does have Into the Breach free. <sighs> Okay, I feel like I had to say that just because you had tweeted at us uh, literally right before we started recording, and I it's, just wanted to acknowledge you. It's really funny, Sam, because I wanted to actually talk about that at some point. It probably wouldn't have come up unless you had tweeted us, but just the other day, I was looking through my Epic Games uh, library, and I was like, oh, I do have Into the Breach. I'm just an idiot. Yeah, so you don't have to buy it now. You can just I know, play. it's great. Yeah. Good old All Epic right. Game Store. <laughs> uh, next, over on GameSpot, it's reported that Pixel Platformer Celeste is currently only $5 on the Nintendo Switch eShop and will only be so until April 26th. So if you guys are listening to this, or guys or gals, everybody, if you're listening to this, you will only have, by the time this goes up, two days to purchase that one. And you'll have even less for this next one because lastly, in celebration of its one-year anniversary, 2D Shooter Cuphead is discounted to $15 until April 25th. So that means you only have one day. So anybody who listens to this day of, you can get some sweet deals. Otherwise, it'll probably go on sale again soon. Just saying. (laughs) That's how games work. (laughs) Uh, Now on to some new stuff. Our first eight items in new stuff come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that multiplayer mini golf game, uh, Golf With Your Friends by Blacklight Interactive, is headed to the Nintendo Switch on May 19th. That horror game, The Coma 2 Vicious Sisters by Devspresso Games, is headed to the Nintendo Switch sometime (laughs) next month. Yeah, that one's really special. I like that one too. Um, That strategy simulator, Kingdom Two Crowns by Noyoi, maybe Noyoi. I don't know. I like the way uh, and, you say it. <laughs> and Coatsink is uh, is crossing over with Bloodstained Ritual of the Night with a special new update. I just said special, by the way. A special <laughs> new update on all platforms starting April 28th. Uh, that Fledgling Heroes by Subtle Boom is headed to the Nintendo Switch on May 7th. That eSports simulator, eSports Legend, by 90 Games, is headed to the Nintendo Switch on April 23rd. That Alwa's Legacy, uh, by Elden Pixels, is coming sometime this summer to Nintendo Switch and PC, which I think is hilarious because Alwa's Legacy is a follow-up to Alwa's Awakening, (laughs) which came out, like, two years ago. And they were like, yeah, it's a throwback and everything. And I'm like, it's a throwback to an earlier generation, but not to a game that came out two years ago. You're just making a sequel. <laughs> I don't know why you called it a successor. It's just a sequel. Gotta like be a fancy prequel. about it. It's, it's something. It's just so weird. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there was a reason why, and I'm just being an asshole. Uh, yep. That point-and-click adventure game, Guard Duty by Sick Chicken Studios, is headed to the Nintendo Switch sometime soon. And lastly, the co-op puzzle game, Damage in Transit by Wyatt Young, possibly, uh, Diego Garcia, and uh, Greg Heffernan. 
is <laughs> headed to the Nintendo Switch on April 23rd. <laughs> so just to let you guys know, the reason that I say Guard Duty is coming to the Nintendo Switch sometime soon is because on the in the article for Nintendo Life, that game, like, they don't list its release date. They just say it's coming out in, like, a week or two or some shit like that, but they don't actually say the date. And I was like, what? What? It's a weird marketing strategy. Yeah, I was like, why? Okay, whatever. <laughs> Eventually. Um, yeah, never know. We're just going to fucking shadow drop it. Like, it's that popular. Um, now over to Polygon, where it's reported that FMV mystery game Telling Lies by Sam Barlow and Furious B Limited is headed to the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch on April 28th. That blooper team, SA, developers of the psychological horror game Observer, have announced that the aforementioned game will be coming to the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. Now over on Twinfinite, where it's reported that open-world survival craft game Stranded Deep by Beam Team Games is now available on the PlayStation 4 with some new DLC content. And apparently it's never-before-seen DLC content, but Ooh. I've never played the game, so can't so Everything's really never-before-seen. Yeah, I mean, never-before-seen on that console. They're just like, fucking get you with that one. They're like, semantics, bitch. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> the dating simulator Later Daters by Bloom Digital Media uh, is out now on PC and the Nintendo Switch. Uh, now over on IGN, where it's reported that 2D beat-em-up Streets of Rage 4 by Lizard Cube, Guard Crush Games, and Dotmu yeah, uh, is finally set to release on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, and the Nintendo Switch on April 30th. So the reason that has so many developers is I'm assuming that they all worked on the port for PC, but that's where I got the developers for that one. So it's possible that it's maybe just one of the few, but I, I don't mm. really know. No. Absolutely no idea. Um, Who knows? And to round out the group over on GameSpot, it's reported that uh, Roguelite FPS Void Bastards by Blue Manchu, which I think is the coolest fucking name. Uh, <laughs> is had a lot of to... cool uh, developer names. This yeah, these are awesome. We got freaking Fat Shark. It's just like, damn, it's awesome. Uh, it's just grand. It's fantastic. Uh, is headed to the Nintendo Switch and PS4 on May 7th, which I think beforehand it was only on PC and the Xbox One. So yeah. that one's actually pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, it's a pretty good game. Big Josh boy. We've been blessed with so many amazing game, indie game news stories that I think it's about time we give back to the creators in our next segment. God bless the crowd. This is where the biggest of average are just boys. Pops into all sorts of crowdfunding sites, finds an indie game for us to talk about, and we do just so. But this one is going to be a blast from the motherfucking past because oh, damn, this is Enchanted Portals, a, magic, <laughs> a magical co-op 2D platformer. I have to say... Seems like you didn't try that hard on this one. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, honestly, there wasn't too much, but I just saw this up again, and I was like, I feel like we should talk about it just to be like, <laughs> they're fucking doing it. <laughs> Are they asking for more money this time around? Oh, that's a good question. I don't question. remember it being $130,000. It's a good question. Um, let me see. It's interesting because... I this don't know. One they says this their is last their first created. Yeah, I'm not seeing. I don't know if yeah, they use a different account. Liars, dude. <laughs> I don't know. One hundred and thirty thousand dollars does seem pretty hefty. I mean, also though, this art style is like incredibly that's, yeah, that's true. hard to produce. So I mm. imagine that that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, but. Awful. 
we <laughs> we've talked about enchanted portals before it's uh i'm i'm gonna read it because i hate it when people do the other thing so enchanted portals uh <sighs> it, it is up to you to navigate bobby and penny out of the eternal or sorry interdimensional mess they have made for themselves so it's a 2d uh, i want to say in a sense shmup it's like a it's yeah. like a 2d shooter i mean you never really have to be that accurate i guess for the most part that's kind of what i say uh but it's yeah, a co-op 2d platformer apparently yeah it's more like a run and gun kind of what how do they what do you define metal slug as Metal Slug, I would imagine, would be a run and gun, but this one is more like based on stages, and it doesn't look like they have that much like run and gun. gun for the most part. Like Cuphead had those run and gun segments, but it's more of a boss rush game from what mm, I like. I guess that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I guess there's not really a great way to define it, but it's just yeah, it's a it's a shooter platformer. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> shooty, shooty, jumpy game. Oh, I mean, that's even better. I'm yeah. glad that it's a shooty, jumpy that, game. I hope that gets uh, the official stamp. The genre should just be <laughs> shooty, jump games. Uh, to get in on the ground floor and actually get the game, I believe you have to pay $17 or 15 pounds, whatever that sign is. I'm not 100% certain. Uh, we've talked about Enchanted Portals a lot in the past, and of course, I'm going to say it, it's a lot like Cuphead. People think it's a ripoff of Cuphead. I personally think, I mean, it's pretty shameless. It's like <laughs> the, the closest you could get would be to call it an homage, but yeah. even they would know that it's a little bit closer than that, so... Also, I just noticed one of these animations is like a gigantic fist that he pulls out of the wand and hits this. Like, I think boss that's really cool. It. But watch the boss; she doesn't recoil. Um, she, it's the same animation. She, she doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she's got, uh, she's got a real strong face. It's weird. It's super weird. It's also kind of cool that, like, seemingly that boss is themed on, like, the whole, like, princess kissing the toad thing. But then instead of, like, it turning the toad into a prince, she turns into a toad. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's pretty cool. But yeah. I do I do like the boss designs. I think this is honestly kind of a cool game. I think that they just need to, like, really sharpen the, like, the, the platforming and the combat. Because from what I've seen, it... it like it, it does just, look like a, a little uh little stiff yeah it, it it definitely looks stiff it just doesn't look as like fluid as uh its inspiration yeah, so i guess that's true i wonder if anywhere on here they say that it's inspired by cuphead please somewhere <laughs> just say it's inspired I mean, by cuphead do they need to though i mean a lot of people's issues last time were that they like people reached out and they're like this is a cuphead ripoff and they're like it's like didn't they say it was like semi-inspired by cuphead or something or that they liked cuphead yeah. some bullshit like that and i'm like could have could have saved yourself some shit there by just saying it's inspired by cuphead <laughs> i don't know man it's tough uh it's a shame too because i mean like i said i just want more cuphead games like I love this type of art style. I loved Cuphead as a game in general. Like the play <gasps> style of it was so fun. I love. They do mention Cuphead. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah. If only they had like. They should just be like, yo, Cuphead devs, like, 
come by us so we could just make a game under your studio and it'll be fine. Yeah, like they they just get absorbed into studio yeah. MDHR. Yeah, and then it's all good, man. <laughs> um, so the paragraph reads about us: Zizo Game Studios is a small uh, indie studio of only two people: Daniel, the game director and programmer, and Gemma, the artist and composer. Uh, Enchanted Portals is our very first game. We are both avid Cuphead fans, and our idea was to make a game heavily inspired by it, heavily. not to attack it or compete with it but to celebrate it because we'd love to see more cuphead like games out there uh we've put all of our love and care into this project and it comes from a place of respect and admiration for the original we hope to bring uh our own spin to the formula making enchanted portals a unique and charming experience one that people all over can appreciate i also love that they like (laughs) they definitely were like yeah we gotta like we gotta address this right away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I like what I was saying is very close to their sentiment of like we enjoy it and we wish there were more games like it out. And there's not. Yeah, I like we we talked about this with Chris. We talked about this among ourselves. Like, hey, I think it's cool. I don't think they're like they're aping it. I don't think they're. I mean, they're doing a lot like it, and they definitely have like a lot of animations that look a lot like it. But still, like why is that such a problem like they're not it's not like they just like popped a sticker on it and then said it's not like instead of cuphead it was bowlhead yeah and that, that's, it, it that's kind of made the same thinking. fucking game so <laughs> like they're boy yeah they are like making their own kind of like experience here and also you got to appreciate that like the the actual music for this game sounds interesting it sounds similar to cuphead from what i've heard and it's all composed seemingly by this one person whereas I know, cuphead that's, is that's nuts yeah whereas cuphead was made by an entire like actual band and right. it was recorded like it, i mean if you've seen the sessions it's amazing to see their teamwork and how they made this but also if like one person can make something that's similar to that you got to appreciate it at least i do mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, like i said i still i still think it's fine i i mean granted they're seven days in and they're only at 12k though i don't think their campaign is going so hot um I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you also gotta like. I really wonder if that's if that's mostly due to the outrage over the Cuphead comparisons, Maybe. or if people just don't like this game because I feel like it got a decent amount of money the first time around, and ah, they supposedly like remember. canceled it because yeah. of like the the publishing partners that were interested. Which also you have to wonder how those fell through. Like what happened there? Like, I don't know, okay, this is gonna be a weird thing. Issues. Yeah, this is going to be a weird thing to talk about, but, like, um, in Kind of Funny's most recent We Have Cool Friends episode with Jason Schreier, he, like, one of the questions was, like, before he retires from, like, reporting Mm -hmm. games, what's one thing that he would love to report on? Mm -hmm. And in a similar vein, like, one thing that I would love to see reported on is why, like, the whole situation with Enchanted Portals and why, like, their publishing partners dropped out why they chose to go to like kickstarter again why exactly all of this is happening and how exactly it affected these developers i think that would be really cool hey maybe we should reach out to him for a dev interview yeah Mm -hmm. we should i i say uh let's go for it i mean if they got the time 
Yeah, maybe they will. Maybe they will. But uh, any last uh, sentiments you want to hit on while we're talking about Enchanted Portals? No, I think we I think we covered it. All right. Time to move on to our last segment of the podcast. This is where you beautiful boys, girls, and everybody else. Uh, that includes furries because I don't I don't know if you identify with gender or you just uh, identify with, you know, your animal. You know what I mean? Like your spirit animal. <laughs> All right. Hopefully I didn't offend anybody by that. Um, <laughs> crossing my fingers. So... This is where everybody writes us in questions. They can be whatever, seemingly just uh, fucking off the off the cuff, like improv questions. I don't know where That's you guys what we get. Always them. get. <laughs> I literally have no fucking idea where people get these questions. Like Sam, I appreciate you, dude. I'll I'll kiss you on the mouth if I ever see you because <laughs> you. I I very much appreciate you, and I appreciate everyone who writes in their questions. But I feel like at this point, you guys are fucking with me. Okay, well, like. Why must you always scare our fans away? I don't know. I feel like it's 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 almost necessary at this point. It's kind of a mainstay of the podcast. But Eldar Basic, uh, a friend of mine, and um, I'm actually a co-host on his podcast, uh, Eldar Talks Games Industry. We recently did an episode about the uh, video game crash of the like 1980s. It was a lot of fun. Please go and listen Sounds to cool. it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I really liked uh, doing it with him. It's a monthly podcast, so it's not like a huge commitment like what uh, listening to a weekly podcast might be, even though right. you should be listening to this podcast, <laughs> even though it's weekly. Uh, he writes in and says that he's got a question. Uh, do you guys think walking simulator is a derogatory term for modern, adve- modern adventure games like Edith Finch or Virginia? He actually writes in two questions, but let's just talk about that one first. Do you think yes. it's derogatory? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I guess there's some connotation to it that people probably find, like, you know, uh, unappealing. Um, But I think that very similar to naming conventions in general, usually they're all awful. (laughs) Like, a Metroidvania doesn't really describe what a Metroidvania is. Um, um, A walking simulator, I think, makes a lot of sense because there is (laughs) a lot of that in it. Um, I wouldn't say. Yeah, it's but a- I feel like the reason that people find it derogatory is that every other genre has a name that's like ambiguous. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense. It kind of sounds exciting. Versus walking simulator sounds so boring. I guess. I you mean, know what that, I mean? Yeah, but once you're into like the industry and you understand it, like I guess from an outsider, like yeah, they probably look at that and they're like, oh, I'm not going to play something as a walking simulator. But um, for most people, like I know that there's a lot of walking simulators that I personally don't care about. And there's a lot that I do care about. There's a lot of interesting stories. It just, it depends that's what it is it's a story-based game and in that kind of sense you know it just depends on what's out there it's why i think in general like those naming conventions of a genre are good for that initial classification of something but like you can't take it at face value yeah yeah i personally think that it is for the most part derogatory mostly just because people don't often say it like as a nice thing or as a classification they do mean it in like kind of a mean way Mm. for the most part like they typically talk about how they find them boring and they're just walking simulators kind of a thing yeah so yeah i I guess that's for the most part why i feel like it's derogatory even though right off the cuff it shouldn't be because i mean we also they're just adventure games i don't know why they like necessarily need to be called anything else but there are of course like yeah metroidvanias are really just like 
action platformers most of the time. So for the most part, yep. Yeah, yeah, it's a little weird, but yeah, I do find it derogatory. Um, mm-hmm. and he writes in with a bonus question, which I'm gonna be honest. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if Matthew Broderick and Viggo Mortensen starred in a buddy cop movie from the 90s, what would that movie be called? This is what I mean by, like, improv. I I really feel like you guys think I'm smarter than I actually am. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to go with Dispatched Batch. Dispatched Batch. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a movie. So the only thing – so I don't really know much about uh, – Mr. Mortison, uh, but I obviously know Matthew Broderick, and I, whenever I think of him, don't think of him as someone who would be a cop. Um, I think of him more in his role of him being a little bit uh, weaker, or more of someone who probably wouldn't be in that point. So for some reason, I think of it as him with an actual cop, and he is like a dispatcher who's just with the cop and isn't supposed to be there and that's why it's like a buddy cop it's like him as the the anti-cop of of not knowing anything and like the the wacky antics ensue because he's not supposed to be there and he's screwing things up and you know i don't know something like that have you ever seen lord of the rings yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no i know i know like who he is but like i don't know much about him other than lord of the rings oh he also uh Sorry, I thought I opened the disc tray on my PC. Um, he also <laughs> uh, played. Okay, what the fuck is that sound? Now it's freaking me out. Uh, I don't know. I don't I'm just gonna ignore it. Maybe it's so, in your head. Yeah, maybe it is. I'm being a fucking weirdo. Um, he also plays the like the father in the road. Um, and he plays like the kind of like chauffeur esque character in the in Green Book that came out like a year or two ago. Mm. Yeah, he's done quite a bit. I actually really like Viggo Mortensen. He's he's a good actor. If you haven't noticed, I'm pretty much just stalling because I have no fucking idea what I would call a movie. I don't know. Literally no idea. I'm sorry. I'm not that creative. (laughs) Yeah. Cop boys. Big cop boys, okay? Big cop boys. I'm going to cop out on this cop question and say big cop boys, okay? Mm -hmm. It's a good one. Uh, Chris Fenwell. Writes in and says, you have to give a voice to Link and Shovel Knight. Who would you cast? So I already told you this before the the podcast started, but (laughs) Link already has a voice, Chris. All right. Link has many voice actors. That's why he already has the. (laughs) We don't need to find him a voice actor. All right. Uh, Shovel Knight should be Danny DeVito. He just, <laughs> I would love to have like Shovel Knight have like more of a manly voice when he like he has his helmet on, but then eventually he like takes his helmet off and just kind of like he looks unassuming and sounds like Danny DeVito. <laughs> that would be honestly amazing. It would be kind of like that episode of Rick and Morty where like. And I think it's in season three where they're in that hellish wasteland that's kind of like Mad Max, and uh, the guy yeah. takes the bucket off his head and has like a Hitler mustache. Like yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. it's just a weird shit. Like, I I would love that so much. It would be so amazing. Um, who would I cast? Uh, man, you guys are just asking me all sorts of weird fucking questions about this. I don't actually know many like actors' names for the most part. Like yeah, I'm, not, I, I'm not good with names either. I don't know. I feel like Shovel Knight needs like a manly voice. Yeah, Danny DeVito. So yeah. manly. Oh, what about Arnold 100%. Schwarzenegger? Oh my God, that's what I was about to say. Was Arnold Schwarzenegger? 
It's also weird that when we think manly, we think Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Actually, that's not weird at all. That guy was fucking jacked. Like, yeah. I watched Conan the Barbarian so many times, mostly because of the sex scenes were awesome, but nice. also because that dude's fucking jacked. And he, like, cuts the head off serpents and shit. It's awesome. Okay? <laughs> but mostly because of sex scenes. Link, um... I don't know. I'm just going to I'm going to cop out once again and probably say like Tom Holland or something like that. I feel like he has just a young voice that would match like a mm. young warrior. Um but like Josh said, he's already got a, yeah. a voice actor. Why are you trying to rock the boat here, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh Samuel Fillion, thank you so much for writing in. Uh everyone, by the way. Everyone, thank you so much for writing in, not just Sam. Um, writes in and says, uh, during these times of isolation, what TV shows would you recommend to your friends and why it could be anything from Firefly to the office or attack on Titan, which are amazing shows, by the way, I absolutely agree with you. Firefly is one of my favorite shows of all time. I adore Mm -hmm. it. It's fucking fantastic. The office, same thing. It's amazing. Attack on Titan. One of the few animes I've actually watched subbed because I heard it was so amazing that I just i didn't wait for the dub i watched it subbed and then i watched it dubbed and it was fucking great both (laughs) times okay yeah i've actually watched that anime so (gasps) you're an anime boy an anime i'm a weeb um yeah attack on titan it's only for certain ones but attack on titan was great have you watched all three seasons or have you Uh, only watched like the first uh the first two i haven't got through the third because the third had that weird break in it where it was like we're only gonna do the first half of it and i was like i'll just wait and then i just waited forever and just haven't got to it the weird thing is that they announced that season three is going or not season three the next season season four is going to be the end of it while the manga i think has a lot more oh to go. it'll definitely still go yeah, yeah that usually happens so i'm not exactly sure what's happening i don't know they'll find a way to kill them all gonna be weird but uh what tv shows would you recommend for um so i mean there's so many there's so much good content out there uh yeah the office for sure is amazing if you like the office you'd probably like parks and recreation um it's very similar and it's kind of theme and it also does that you know fake like uh documentary um aspect to it but it is far less cringy like it, uh parks and rec is like i would say much more wholesome and funny for like different reasons while the office is like funny because it's so cringy yeah i don't i don't know it's just there's it's it just feels very similar but it is obviously for different reasons um also when you first start it you'll probably not be as crazy about it the first season is kind of kind of a stretch it like i skip it yeah. every time every you, time i do a rewatch i just skip it you I gotta power the through first the first season because it's not as great but once you get like into it god it gets good um let's see what do I, I have a list here uh obviously um how i met your mother is great i love that series um bojack horseman uh what an amazing show it's a little dark so maybe not as best for like this time but like it's still so good um fleabag is really good uh the castlevania i only watched the first episode of fleabag and it starts off so weird yeah dude i mean it it continues to be weird but i loved it i love the her dry sense of humor i Um, mean dude starting off your like tv series with accidental anal is the weirdest thing i mean yeah it's 
it's a pretty it's also a dark series like it it gets pretty crazy um but it's very good uh the castlevania animated series on netflix i really enjoyed um the it crowd is good and so is that 70 show those are mostly comedies because that's a lot of what i watch but all good series for like binge worthiness i'm actually gonna do a similar thing how you went mostly comedies i'm gonna go mostly with like uh i i want to say like for the most part romantic comedies in a sense um so i really like like romance tv shows Mm -hmm. so there's like you are the worst is on hulu and i absolutely adore it i love the characters there's a there's actually i would say the last season of it kind of it it kind of acts like the other seasons didn't happen and the character growth didn't happen and it really bothers me but there is one scene in the last season that comes in like the uh i think second to last episode which Uh is one of my favorite scenes which is like typically my favorite scenes in movies are when people just sit down and have a serious like conversation about weird shit (laughs) kind of a thing like one of my favorite episodes of supernatural is a conversation between like a character or like an angel and a special person. I don't want to say who it is because I don't want to ruin anything, but it's amazing. They just like sit there and talk for like an entire episode. And it's great. Like it's it's not really meant for dialogue. It's meant to kind of be like for the most part uplifting. And I love that a lot. But that has nothing really to do with it. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, that was a loud sneeze. Sorry. Right. Like I said, You're the Worst is amazing. Uh, that's on Hulu. You can watch Love on Netflix. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I recently mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime, if you have it, I started watching Red Oaks, which I really enjoy. It's uh, it's kind of like a very similar like romantic-esque uh, show. It's got like I think 10 episodes a season with only 30 minutes each one. So it's very like easily binged through. But if you're looking for something that's going to like last you more time, uh, you might want to like watch You're the Worst or something like that because it's pretty long. Mm-hmm. But um, Red Oaks is about like basically a country club in New Jersey where a bunch of like younger or like kind of people in their like early 20s are trying to like in a sense find themselves. And I don't know why, but I love coming of age stories on the East Coast. They're like so special in a way because like in Idaho, we don't have like really country clubs or anything like that. It's kind of like a completely different culture. It seems like on the East Coast versus hmm. over here. Maybe. Um, I mean, probably. I, I don't know because I'm on the East Coast. I don't know what you have. I don't know, dude. I wouldn't say Florida is the East Coast. I would say that just like I, it's definitely the East Coast. You know? That's like Raptor country. It's no, like you got no. dinosaurs in your state that no other state has. So <laughs> like, <laughs> that's like one of my favorite quotes from the office is where Robert California is like, they're talking about alligators. He's like, alligators are dinosaurs, Jim, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Too good. Oh, uh, another one that I just thought of, which I actually really enjoy that they're doing. Um, I just started rewatching Scrubs uh, and I'm watching it kind of at the same time listening to the podcast yeah yeah Yeah. so the two actors the main actors are doing a podcast of like a rewatch uh of their series so i'm kind of doing a hand in hand where sometimes i'll get you know farther in the episode sometimes i'll get farther in the podcast it just depends on uh whatever um but i'm really enjoying it doing it that way because it's it's nice to hear that you know commentary behind it and also remember the episode since i'm watching them as i'm going along um that uh podcast is called fake doctors real friends by the way if you guys want to do the same thing um i recommend it it's pretty good 
Yeah, yeah, it is. It is pretty good. I, I've only, like, listened to the first episode for the most part, but it is pretty good. I also listen to, like, Office Ladies, too, and I very much enjoy that. It's just nice to have, like, companion podcasts. They're mostly the mm-hmm. reason that, like, I wanted to do a My Hero Academia podcast so badly, and then Office Ladies came out, and I was like, fuck it. Gotta do it. do it. And Chris Penwell was like, I'll do it with you, and I was like, fuck yeah, dude, I love you. Mm. Um but yeah there's like a lot of really great like tv shows if you want something that's really like like it's a little bit heavier but it's it's very good long-form storytelling is like the expanse on amazon prime i really love (laughs) um it's just like i want to say it's like in a sense similar to firefly because it's about this like uh kind of like rogue starship and it's like crew kind of going about the galaxy in a sense like fighting different governments and stuff like that it's not like this uh this cyber western but it is very similar and i like it a lot um if you're a fan of firefly but yeah there's also a bunch of anime you can watch of course like uh on crunchyroll there's like re-zero which i recently started watching or you can go to funimation where they have like black clover i watch all the time i love myself some shonen uh log horizons on hulu which i've talked about all the time so yeah there's amazing tv shows why exactly would i recommend them because they're fucking great sam okay (laughs) Just watch these TV shows. Um, and Chase Hopkins writes in and says, favorite dessert food. What's your favorite dessert, Big Josh Boy? Milkshakes, baby. Milk of all things, that's your favorite dessert is a milkshake. Milkshakes all fucking day. What's your feckin' second, second, second favorite dessert? Uh, second dessert? Probably red velvet cake. 100% better than milkshakes. How do you think milkshakes is the best dessert? Dude, that's your favorite dessert. Milkshakes are fucking amazing, and they could be Dude. anything you want. I'm judging you so hard. Oh, man. Right now. I would fucking. If I wouldn't get fat, I would just drink milkshakes all damn day. Do you uh, so do good. you often get them at like diners where they give you like the cup, but then they also give you like the steel cup that you're just like, oh, mm-hmm. this is so weird. Yep. What's your favorite kind of milkshake? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, I really like uh salted caramel type milkshakes um or like oreo milkshakes are really good too just oreo and ice cream is awesome uh but like i i i love going to places that just go really hard into like we're gonna make a crazy milkshake like it'll be like a 15 dollar milkshake but it'll be like it's a giant milkshake with some kind of ice cream and then there's like a giant piece of cake sticking out and then the glass is covered in chocolate and it's got like pretzels and shit all like stuck onto it and there's just like a ton of stuff dripping down and so good so good jesus you just described diabetes i think i got it from listening to you yeah and it's great dude (laughs) jesus christ so good Every time you get a milkshake, do you that the thing where you're like, my milkshake, the <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> really? Every Maybe. time I even think about a milkshake, that's what I think of. No. I mean, I get them too often. But then again, I do sing a lot, like random songs. I'm always annoying my wife. I mean, you, you okay. Well, that always. checks out. Yeah. I don't. You, you seem like a musical person. Do you actually play like any instruments or anything like that? You'd think, but no. I'm, uh, I'm pretty shit at doing things, so... I love you'd think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the uh, talented individual in most things, but not not me. Not, not an instrument. I've tried many times to like pick up things. Like I've I've tried to play guitar a couple of times. I always wanted to play the drums, but I never could just because it's hard to get into drums just because they're so loud. 
and yeah there's not really many places that you can go yeah um but i just i never really stuck with it i don't know it's a lot of investment and i'm just a lazy person but I, when I was a kid, I was always like, that was the biggest thing. They're always like, you play a guitar, right? And I was like, why does everyone think this? No. It's, it does like a like a flashback and you're just always carrying around a guitar, but you don't know how to play it. <laughs> why would you assume that I know how to play this guitar I'm holding? <laughs> That'd be awesome. I always like, I really wish that at a young age, my family would have like got me music lessons to play the piano because in my adult uh, life, I'm way too lazy to do that. Yeah, but for sure. I wish I would I, uh, have known how to do the violin. How to actually play? I love the sound of the violin. Really, I love the sound of the piano. Any like song that has a piano, I don't care if it's a shit song. That's a great song. Okay, <laughs> I fucking love the piano. It's just like it's so. I love the sound of it, and also it's like one of the only instruments that I think like looks extremely elegant while you play. Like yeah. it just looks so fucking cool. It's fucking I don't know crazy hard too. Yeah, exactly. Ah, fuck, pianos are so cool. I'm so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> that shit takes a lot of practice. No way. No, thank you. I mean, I was gonna make some sort of joke about me like hopefully being deformed. Uh, you know, like growing like an an 11th finger so I could be even better in the piano and like tie that into incest, you know, I feel like but that instead, would just get in the way. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, instead, I'm just going to end the podcast. Wow. So, nice closing. I know. I'm so good at it. Thank you guys. Uh, everyone so much for watching or listening. Fuck. God damn it. Um, <laughs> I mean, they can watch with their ears. That's true. I used to do the YouTube video stuff, but now that I actually do like video editing, I have to pretty much like save my export time for mm. that because it takes forever to export video files. Oh, so we don't put so. it on YouTube anymore? Mm-mm. Oh, no. get fucked, YouTubes. Yeah, it's it's only on podcast services, mostly because like we would only get a couple views anyway. Yeah. So Fuck it was em. like just made more sense. But we will eventually, once we start doing an actual like video feed, I will put it on YouTube again. I've got a camera so, now. Oh, do you? I'm actually gonna I'm gonna pick one up uh, too. I have like a DSLR, and I would just need oh, a. I'm not doing that. Uh, I got like a sixty dollar webcam. I'm not going crazy now. Oh, I mean, I've had the DSLR for a long time. Oh, okay. Uh, because I used to do like YouTube videos and stuff like that on my own. So ah. I. I'm either thinking about rigging that up to use it, or I think I might just get, like, a decent enough webcam. But uh, the webcam would probably be a lot easier. Probably. Yeah, I have it. I mean, actually, that would be interesting if we started doing that, because then I would just do it off my work laptop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm more thinking out loud that doesn't matter, but, like... (laughs) I have this thing where I hate unplugging and plugging things in to the point where like, like my wife even said this, she's like, you're not a lazy person, but for some reason with unplugging things, I just am so angry about it. Like the fact that I had to, so I have two setups right now. I have my, uh, like gaming computer which i do all my personal stuff and play games and then right behind me because i live in a one bedroom apartment i have my office which is my work laptop set up to monitors so i can have that so that i don't have to disconnect and reconnect things so i have literally four monitors in the space of like this tiny little box right now and i 
have to when I need to do video like uh, like voice recording for work, I have to go and unplug my microphone that's at this computer and plug it over there and I'm always like got to, got to do a stupid like I always get pissed off just because I'm like I don't want to bend down and unplug things <laughs> it is a very first world problem <laughs> I love that you're just like you're this kind of happy go lucky guy but you're a curmudgeon about one single thing and it's plugging and unplugging cables I hate it so much <laughs> I hate what I have to when I cuz I suck at cable management so I'm like I always have to go through all this like mess of tangled wires and have to get down and like like fudge around with all the stuff back there and it's always I always pull on the wrong wire and I'm like oh this stupid area it's too much it's too much and it's somehow like tied in a knot and you're like this is literally impossible yeah almost I, like I just plugged it in how it's to the point where like if this keeps going where I have to keep like unplugging plugging plugging like doing stuff like that like I'll just be like fuck it I need two microphones like <laughs> You're like fuck it, done with the podcast. I'm not gonna do it. Anymore. Sorry, Vaughn. I can't. I can't do the podcast anymore. It's in the wrong area. It's hooked up to the wrong computer. We'll have to do it another day. That would be so funny if you're just like, I'm like, why is your audio so bad? And you're like, oh, I have to record off my desktop microphone. I'm like, why? And you're like, because my mic is plugged in over there. <laughs> I can't possibly unplug it. It's too much work. Uh, that's it for this episode. If you all liked it. Uh, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. You can follow me at Hyde Legion. You can follow Josh at the underscore George 90. And you can follow the podcast itself at in the pod. We of course put out the question tweet every Monday. I remind you about it on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And we put out the God bless the crowd pick on, uh, I believe I put it out on Thursdays so that everyone can look at it in preparation for the episode and see if they actually might want to back it. Um, and please don't be that dickhead who backs for $8,500 and then just like ditches, I guess. I don't know. Maybe think about it beforehand. That'd be Maybe. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you'd like to get your question read on the show, you can, of course, uh, submit it in that question thread that I put up on Mondays, or you can email us at our uh, podcast email, which is indie incursion uh, podcast at gmail.com. It's all one word, it's super easy. Uh, that's it for us today. Oh, actually, kind of just want to throw out some like shameless plugs of course like i said i i was on or i am a permanent co-host of a monthly podcast called eldar talks games industry uh please listen to that one we just put out that episode about the uh, video game crash it's awesome um and i am also the one of the hosts of uh, go beyond a my hero academia podcast which posts every wednesday that one we just kind of like watch the we watch episode by episode talk about the differences between the manga and the anime it's all sorts of fun and then i will have a new podcast coming out soon um starting in may it's a media review podcast that i do with a couple of friends of mine um so yeah, yeah got i got a lot of podcasts Man, i gotta i gotta catch up i'm not doing anything <laughs> i know you need to like just put in like six podcasts just to be ahead of me you're like yeah, i mean i don't even do anything like one podcast is just like fucking asmr it's like <laughs> you're just making sounds into a microphone you're like mm, that's some quality asmr right there i know i i'm almost 100 percent sure that somebody just unsubscribed because I that. <laughs> yeah maybe yeah i don't know i uh i mean i want to do stuff but i just don't have time 
I right now is like the only time. It's like the perfect time, I guess, to do it for most people. I mean, you have to work it's, from home, so dude, it's so Not crazy. Exactly. Yeah, like I've never been busier during this uh, coronavirus thing because getting this new job, like I'm doing a fuck ton of work, and trying to balance that with working from home, I feel like I don't have a way to disconnect. So it's just like I feel so fucking busy. <laughs> that blows. That blows. Well, well, hopefully this is a nice reprieve. You get to talk about indie games and incest for a little while. My, I, I can't even say that. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, no. <laughs> One of my favorite things. <laughs> uh, that's it for us. Thanks, everyone, so much for watching, and we'll see you next week. Bye, fam. <laughs>